Okay, right off the top of the bat, Cinema Yugen, I just want to uh, get this out of the way before I introduce my very special guest. Their Kickstarter is live. You get over to www.kickstarter.com slash project slash story life after the next. That's www.kickstarter.com slash projects slash life after uh, never ending story life after the story uh, Kickstarter running. And I want you to do this because I have just seen uh, this documentary's third documentary of my returning guest, my three times special returning guest with a wonderful, uh, wonderful trifecta hat trick. She's done it three in a row, three peat like Mike and Jordan. She's done it. It is uh, Lisa Downs with Life After the Never-Ending Story. And I was just reading through the, the Kickstarter stuff here, Lisa. It says, is this fair income you can own a piece of Alcohol's fur. You can straight off the head that you see Colin Arthur fiddling with in the film when he's brushing it. I he gave me some. So yes, it's real Falcor's fur from the scene. Yeah, it's from the scene where he says, "Can you scratch behind my right ear?" That's the head. I love how you got Alan over sneaking away. That was fantastic. Oh, it just gives skills. Fantastic. You, you get to do all the cool stuff. Um, I have a ton of questions. I, I don't know where to start, but I guess in watching all your documentaries, Lisa, and, and welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, give a listen. Give her a round of applause, everyone. Yes, yes, huge round of applause. Trumpets, thunder and lightning. She's back. She's unstoppable. I guess, Lisa, what... Um, the theme that I got after I finished watching Live After the Nevering Stone, which I absolutely love, by the way. Where's your movie? Where's your golden movie? Is it in the room? Oh, I do. It's on my shelf. Oh, okay, cool. Do you want to see it? Oh, if you, well, if you wouldn't. If you wouldn't Two seconds. If you mind, wouldn't mind showing your movie to me and sharing no. it. It sounds rude, but it's not. And that's awesome. Is it heavy? It's quite heavy. You would, you know, for like a film for not that I've really won every any other film festival awards, but it's heavier than I thought it would be. It's pretty impressive, huh? And it is. It's very impressive. And what is what is that uh, hashtag that Kevin Smith like in real life? Uh, he was lovely, but he we didn't see him too much. We oh, okay. saw him at the opening. Yeah, we saw him at the opening. He did some right. photos. Um, and then there was an opening party, but I didn't see him there. And then he was at the closing. So he kind of made his appearance uh, at the beginning and then came and did the awards at the end. But he was very lovely and I snuck in my other Blu-rays. He said he would watch them. Whether or not he was just being polite, I don't know. But Well, I mean, if, if his, if his uh, appearances that everyone has uh, seen by now, whether it be on YouTube or DVD or wherever he does uh, he does talk about having quite a, a, a large selection of DVDs in his possession. So I'm sure if at some point he'll he'll get to them, he says, you know, at some point if I want to watch whatever, I can go to the shelf and there it is. And yeah. uh, well, Jason Muse is in in Life After Flash, so I was going to be like, oh hey, you know, your your buddy's in it. But then I thought maybe it's weird 
like if he doesn't realize he's in it and <laughs> so so i didn't but uh listen uh, what, what i got um after watching uh, life after the Everything stories is and and you spoke a little about a little about this before we <clears throat> before we did uh this interview is you said this one has been the hardest of the ones you've done so far to do and i realized that the the recurring theme in all of these is that it, these childhood films that we hold so near and dear have been um, have been quite arduous experiences for uh, the people involved, whether that be for good or bad. And this time you come up against uh, really uh, opposing uh, light in the dark, like you have a one very positive experience and one very not so positive experience. And for the first time in one of your films, these are two uh, pulling against one another. But at the same time, the experience is what binds them, so to speak. That's a nice way of putting it. That's it. And what was funny, um, both Noah and Tammy talked about the light and the dark separately without me kind of bringing it up. So it was very apparent, even though at the end, Tammy said, oh, it's funny that she has the black dog and then Noah has the white dog. Right. Um, he's got the mini falcor and she's got the gamorg but right. yeah it, it was definitely it was definitely really interesting to see two young actors who had the same experience obviously noah had more time on set his role is is bigger um but having the same kind of point and the two very different paths that their lives took um you know, and for me personally, I think a lot is obviously having to do with being a kid in the industry where Tammy was sheltered. But, um, you know, I think people can watch it and make up their own thoughts on, on why that might be. I think that um, I think it's just incredible how you managed to pack these uh, with, with all sorts of little secrets. And I might give – I want to try and talk about – uh, advanced warning to people listening. I may I may spoil a few things. Um, no, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> just no, not 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 a lot. I'll try and I'll try and talk my way around certain things. Um, I think it's incredible how you got. Uh, uh, I'll say to do with the dubbing, people being dubbed. I think it's incredible how you got not just one person that was dubbed, but another person that was dubbed, and they happened to be in not just one never-ending story movie, but another, which I thought was I know connection. And I had no idea. I mean, the part of the fun of doing these is you, you know a certain amount before with things you read and things you hear, but um, until you really talk to people, there's so much that, you don't know and so it's so fun to be discovering these little anecdotes and fun facts on the journey it's so much fun for me is it i hope it is for people who watch it um but that i thought was like a really nice odd full circle with that story not to give too much no, away no, but no, not at all but um because in this in this uh, documentary you you uh you brush on not just the never-ending story, but the uh, the part one and uh, sorry, the next chapter and then the, the part three, which I, I have to say, you, you know the the uh, the, se the the sequel. I was never really like 
I felt like it came like really late. You know, it felt like one of those sequels that came way, like way, way too. They late. just they shoehorned it in unnecessarily. Like I, I don't think I've seen the third one, and mm. I've maybe seen snippets of the second, but it was so unnecessary and it was so terrible that. Thank you. Know, you. I was going to say I wasn't a fan, but you just you hit the nail on it. <laughs> well, Jason James Richter says he's not a fan either, so if he can say it, then I feel like I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but I wanted him in it. Hmm. A, I wanted to meet him. But B, um, I felt like he would have a, a really good insight into the realities of being a child star because obviously he was in Free Willy and then the third one and so it wasn't necessarily to – I wanted to to pay tribute to his involvement in the franchise, but I didn't want to focus on the third one too much. But um, he had some really fascinating things to say about this, the franchise. He was a huge fan and um, also being so famous so young. Yes, yes. It seems it, – it, it, look, it seems to be uh... – a bit of a, a lottery ticket for some, and, and a, a millstone, as they say, for for others. Which is, you know, I mean, as they as as he eloquently puts it, uh, you think you want to be famous? Wait till you get famous. And exactly. I think one thing that he said, which I didn't include, that I will in the bonus features of the Blu-ray that you can pick up on the Kickstarter. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. His, he he was saying really it was down to his parents too. You know, his mum was like, no, you can't go to this party. You're 14. You have a maths test tomorrow and you have to go to school. So I think a lot of it is always the parenting with, I mean, not to generalise, obviously, with, with other child actors. But, um, yeah, he, he and Tammy both had really solid parents, whereas Noah didn't. So I feel like that is a lot to do with where they ended up yes the, the yeah the base from the base from which it all stems and i mean um, i mean he wouldn't be the first child actor to have uh, you know i mean uh, to become like a a cash cow of sorts for for uh, you know your parents think oh geez he's young and cute we can capitalize on this and and not think about exactly to the to the child uh Becoming, yeah. Oh, the car needs fixing. Oh, it'd be nice to have a house in Hawaii, wouldn't it? You know, yeah. we need to pay for that. Let's just do one more commercial and then, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, just do part three. Who cares? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no one's going to remember it, but the paycheck will be good. So think of it that but unfortunately, exactly. it does, it does so much more to these, uh, these children that, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it was it was pretty tough in sometimes to watch. It seems that Noah's the person who's in so much pain, so much of the time. But I don't mean physical pain; sort of very deep emotion. Yeah. Very, yeah, very yeah. emotionally conflicted. Like he he seems like he wants to be proud of what he's done, but at the same time, it seems like it's a it's like a rash that won't go away. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and like he says, it's a bittersweet thing. It must be hard when you have these bad memories of this film, or you were pushed into it when you didn't want to, or you know, and and stuff goes down with your parents after filming, and so there's all these outside factors where 
to us it'd be like oh wow what a cool job that this kid had mm. um when you know it's not the greatest experience for him um and it's the thing that everyone wants to celebrate and wants him to sign photos of and wants to talk about so it must be so strange and i cannot even imagine what what people like that can go through because i've i've never experienced it and i think unless you have you will never even fathom what it could be like but um you know it is such a special film to so many kids that it's nice that he still does comic cons and appearances so the fans can meet him whether or not he enjoys it sure. but it's um i think the one of the uh you're one of the uh I think you're the only person I know who's actually touched the never ending story. What was that like? You actually held that book. I mean, that book that we've watched so many times in that movie, uh, is that heavy? It was. It was so bizarre. So Wesley, um, so lovely. He, um, in North Carolina, I flew out and his, how, I mean, again, on the bonus features, I have a whole section of, other props that he yes. has. I held the hook. I hope, hook. I hope that because that does, hope. looks extraordinary. Oh, and just Edward Scissorhands' his hands and just it was it was in, incredible. And uh, the book was so much more than I could imagine. I mean, it's funny, like he says, it's just a book, you know, it's just this material thing. But I was always curious what was in it. And it is actually like this beautifully written story of the film version not the book version with these amazing pictures and it's just the attention to detail and it smells like an old bookstore and it's so it was very surreal i had like goosebumps the whole time so the writing and, the writing is the writing in the book is the narration we hear barrett oliver yeah it's it's an almost a novelization of the script you know, so in the book, Artax speaks, but that's not in the book prop. Oh, that would be um, you know, so that there would are certain characters in the book that don't appear in the film and they're not in the book. So it is this, it's the story version of what happens in right. film versus. Sorry, I was, the, um, yeah, I was thinking that it might have had like some of the that narration that he actually he reads on in the film when the tray used. I mean, I didn't. I actually would love to sit and read it. Um, yeah, yeah. I just threw it, but I was curious if, you know, if it was going to even have anything in it. And even just like the penmanship and like the beautiful call calligraphy and it just, it was so well put together um, and it was heavy. And I was like, there's the um, the red bookmark that you see when he throws it and it, it was just, it was just really amazing. So that was probably one of the highlights, and also to see Wesley's other props. I mean, he has the shard from the Dark Crystal, so that was another highlight <laughs> for me. It's amazing where this stuff ends up, isn't it? Like you wonder, like after these movies are done, where the stuff ends up, and then you live long enough and you find out. Well, also, I think it took a while for films to realize that people were interested in having a piece of movie history and, and owning props. So I think a lot of films so much must have just been thrown out. That's what happened with Flash Gordon. Yeah. When we went to Seattle to interview Bob, who uh, who also is still involved in our films, um, he he was like there was just a table 
a clearance table and it was like $20 for everything if you wanted it. And it was just kind of, you know, being thrown out if they didn't sell it for cheap. So uh, it's definitely changed now with uh, with all these high-end auctions and things. But Oh, definitely. Yeah. Good, good. I would love to own a movie prop, but I don't own anything. Every- Unless I start collecting from my documentaries and be like, this is the T-shirt that I wore. <laughs> you haven't, you haven't get that flash pinball Oh, I mean, yeah. If I could get Brian May's flash pinball, well, that would be great. When I saw Noah being interviewed and I saw pinball machines in the background, I was about to say, oh, don't tell me he's got a never-ending story pinball machine. But, no, that was that was in a bar in Vegas oh, okay. that he right, went okay. a lot. All right, so that wasn't his. Uh, no, that wasn't his house. That was a bar in um oh, okay. in downtown Vegas. Because I was about to say, oh, this dude's got pinball machines in his house as well. I feel so out of place. Why don't I have a pinball? <laughs> one day we're going to no. do one of these. In- one day we'll do one of these interviews. And you'll look behind me over here. Some pinball machine, and hopefully here as well. <laughs> and and on that day, I'll say I've made it. But um, until then, we live in hope. But you've you also got to uh, see some incredible things. You went to the archive. Are you lucky, duck? And got to look through all manner of uh, all the drafts of the scripts. Uh, behind-the-scene photos that no one has seen except for the people who took them, uh, all that sort of stuff. Amazing. I mean, and also that was so helpful. They were just really helpful um, because Katja Eichinger, who was Bernd's widow, Bernd Eichinger, the producer of the film, and also to think he was like 29 when he made it. it it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then his daughter gave me permission and also Herman, his archive was there as well. And so... They would just said, oh, you should contact the archive and see if you could film. We'd be very happy for you to use everything. And they were so lovely. They had everything organised for us and they wheeled it all out on trolleys and gave us a room and was like, see you later, just come out when you're finished. Um, So, yeah, it was their scanner wasn't working though because we were in the middle of COVID, so uh, people were sick. So we were always like there taking pictures of the photos on my phone. So some of the photos you can see the reflection of my hand in them because I was trying to... (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying well, to get I mean, rid of it. Look, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, you've got to document it somehow, and, and you might as well. Yeah, and Wolfgang's notes, and just this. I mean, a lot was in German, so I couldn't yeah. work out if what I was taking pictures of was like super valuable or just like parking tickets. But uh, it was definitely a really fun experience to see all the different scripts and the posters and the photos. And yeah, it was really wonderful. It's just, uh, it's it's incredibly tantalising stuff. And, and I think uh, for a movie that has, I think, hands down, one of the saddest scenes in cinema history, I was, yeah. I was very moved to learn that the director, while he was directing that scene, was in tears himself. I was very moved. Yeah. I thought that's, yeah. And you can see, you know, if, if the director's in tears, you know it's sad. You know, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, did you ever see that M. Night Shyamalan movie? Ah, God. The Visit. The yeah. Visit. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I, I feel like I want to say yes, but I. Yeah. Any, anyway, the, 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 the reason I bring it up is because um, there's a similar moment. There's a scene in that film, and I won't give it away if you haven't seen it, but check out The Visit. And if you can get a hold of uh, 
the, the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatever that has the special features. M. Night Shyamalan directs the scene towards the end of the film, and it's quite harrowing. And he has a similar reaction, not tears, because it's not a sad scene. It's, it's quite disgusting. But even though he knows that it's not real, he still has that very human, like, oh, my God. Like, ugh, ugh. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what about that really warmed my heart, but, I mean, and Wolfgang Peterson as a filmmaker, I feel like he doesn't really get spoken about enough. He, he made some of the most incredible films, uh, uh, just just really landmarks. I mean, uh, from from Dust Boot to uh, Never Ending to Enemy Mine, um, I still I'm a huge Perfect Storm fan, so I was really yeah. like when I realized he did that as well. Mm, um, an outbreak, yeah. uh, certainly in the line of fire is one of the great uh thrillers. I really loved uh Air Force One, where, where Harrison Ford plays the president. So, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I, I really think uh, it, what a shame that he he passed and we didn't get a chance to uh. Have even I, yeah. I know so oh so it was January 2020 that his assistant said yes he would do an interview, right. um, and so I was like well I could maybe go next month to do it but I had a I was producing this show here in England and hmm. so I was like well, I can't really leave that to to go and you know take a week off to go and film him in LA so I was like oh you know I'll be out later in the year and you know we we were looking at April so I was like well, I'm going to come out in April anyway and we we started to book tickets and, and then obviously no one expected it to uh to lock down so soon after or at all um and yeah and then by the time we got back out to the states it just wasn't possible and then he passed away not long after so it was I really would have loved to have met him Ooh. um you know he's such a like, like you say, when you see the video for someone, because we watch those scenes with the music and the editing and, you know, there's so it's a whole experience for us, but for him to be so emotional when he's just, you know, people are probably talking in the background and he's like, you know, it's it's just that what he sees through the, the monitor for him to be so emotional. Like you can see how much passion he puts into these films. I know, and, and uh, I really have to give you, n not only you the uh, director and producer of these wonderful films, you're also the editor. And uh, I thought it was a real masterstroke actually putting the scene that he is directing, what he's looking at through, well, he's not looking through the monitor, he's watching it happen. And I thought it was such a masterstroke too. I mean, we're watching... Um, I don't know if you've seen that uh, recent uh, documentary on Terry Gilliam directing um, his finally the, the man who killed Don Quixote, and there's a wonderful sequence oh. like that near the end of the film, and it's got Terry just staring at the monitor, and he's, I mean, Gilliam is in his element, I mean, uh, but they're both right there, they're right there, they're with that person right there, right now. And that's that's incredible, and and to have to put it side by side gives it so much, uh, so much power to see like wow, that's a director who's, that's a director. He's right there. He's with him. He's, you know, that's 
Dead. I'm glad you like that because I was really chuffed when I discovered it. <laughs> when I realised that that could be that could potentially work. That takes, so that takes it like from the scintillating to the sublime. It's just it's beautiful. It's magical. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really it's really lovely to you know because you see so many behind the scenes videos of things and and yeah. makings of. But I think it. Yeah, I was really happy with how that panned out placing them side by side because there's very like the uh you know not 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 often unfortunately were these uh were these films um given any sort of behind the scenes uh care and attention and uh it's it's wonderful that that not only did you seem to uncover so much history that has been documented that has never been seen that now will be seen thanks to this uh, Yay. it's yeah and i mean it's um it it's you know like like they say uh if, if you don't like the weather wait five minutes sometimes <laughs> uh if if you don't get uh a great documentary about one of the films that you've uh that you've grown up with and as a touchstone uh for all that's wonderful in your life uh just wait you know, forty so years, <laughs> and uh, and you'll get. <laughs> and uh, well, it did. It surprised me that nothing. I mean, there had been like some interviews on the bonus as a bonus on the Blu-ray release, and you yeah. know the that documentary that the behind-the-scenes footage was taken from was released in '84 as the way to promote the film. But I was really surprised that nothing had been done on it yeah. to you know, the extent that I had wanted to do. So. Um, I was very pleased about that because I absolutely loved that film. Well, Even that, though my mom, when I was little, didn't let me watch it to start with because she thought Falcor would be too scary, but let me watch The Dark Crystal instead. So I had, I know it was a strange choice, so I had a, I had some initial trauma before uh, getting into the Artax trauma. <laughs> there you go. But listen, before we run out of time, let's tell everybody to get over to www kickstarter.com slash project slash the never-ending story slash life after the never-ending story and uh, support Lisa's uh, Kickstarter. They're looking to uh, get some finishing funds to get this uh, get this film out there. You can order the Blu-ray. You can own a piece of Falcor's fur. Who doesn't want a piece of Falcor's fur? <laughs> I mean, and it comes with an orin from the gift shop of the Bavaria Studios, so there's a bonus. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want a piece of that? Hopefully, Falcor's got a lot of fur to go around. I mean, did you get a certain a certain amount of Falcor? Uh, I did. I I got a clump, and I've given what? away a couple of pieces to Wesley. I gave some to Wesley so he could match it with the book right, um right. i gave a little bit to maddie austin who was that amazing puppeteer yeah, the yes, yes. Puppet. um is there, and then is, i've obviously got is there more extra features on on his um his puppets or? i'll i'll do i'll do an extended interview with him and the trailer for his fan movie that he's doing with the puppet very cool. Yeah. Very cool. But I appreciate the Kickstarter URL. They say you can do a custom URL, but I didn't realize it would be so long. But um, <laughs> you can, people can also just search Life After the Never Ending Story in Kickstarter too, if that is hard to remember. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. So 
get over to Kickstarter. Um, projects, uh, the Never Ending Story, Life After the Never Ending Story, or Life After. Uh, on Facebook, it's Life After Films. Your Life After Movies. Life After Movies, sorry. Life After Movies. Life After Movies on Facebook, www.kickstarter.com slash project slash the Never Ending Story, or Life After the Never Ending Story. Get a piece of Falcor's fur. Be part of this incredible documentary, The Third, The Three Pete, The uh, Trifecta, The Hat Trick. She's done it again, Lisa Downs. What do you have <laughs> for Lisa? You have, <laughs> you have um, this this other this other person I know. I asked her what the secret is. She said yogurt. Is it what sort of do you yogurt? Well, I I say. I say both actually because my hybrid, so it depends what mood I'm in. Yogurt, yogurt. Yogurt, yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> you have, oh, you're, you've, you've been in Australia. Do you have your wheat mix? Hey, here's my wheat mix. I used to be a Nutrigrain. Okay, I yeah, really, I really miss Nutrigrain. That was my thing. Okay. And then I still have, I've got a cupboard full of chicken salt so I can have that on things here and Vegemite. Um, but I really miss potato scallops and chicken salt. Uh, yes, yes, the, yeah. And veg, are you a Vegemite girl? Please. A Vegemite through and through. You do? You, do they have you? Probably get Vegemite in the UK though. They send. They have little jars here, but I have my friends send me care packs of chicken twisties, Tim Tams, cherry ripes, <laughs> snakes, <laughs> minties, the good ones. That's fantastic. www.kickstarter slash project slash the never ending story slash life after the never ending story or life after movies over in Facebook. Support Lisa Downs and uh, life after the never ending story. It is an incredible, incredible film. It's a uh, movie award winning documentary. Hopefully there's a lot more awards on the way, Lisa, and you've got lots more on the way with um uh, don't forget life after uh, what is it? Goodfellas in Greece. You're doing this. I know. I'm so excited. And there's actually three huge '80s films which are in various stages that I haven't announced yet. So I bet um, you. I bet another one of those starts with G. Am I right? <laughs> well, they might. <laughs> so yeah, Goodfellas in Greece are the next two, and I'm super excited. That's awesome. I hope you. I hope you keep going strong and growing strong, and um, I hope your Vegemite keeps the rose in every cheek. And I hope that everybody will get over and support uh, life after the never-ending story at www.kickstarter.com slash project slash the never-ending story slash, slash life. Oh, geez, I'm saying slash a lot. Only do <laughs> slash after I'm done. Life after the never-ending story. Or Life After Movies on Facebook. Lisa, thank you for being my guest yet again. Keep up all the wonderful work. Thank you for sharing uh, the never-ending story and your journey with the never-ending story with me again. Thank you for having me back thrice now. I look forward to the fourth. I look forward to the fourth again. And I look forward to uh, hearing that your Kickstarter is successful once more. That's www.kickstarter.com slash project slash life after the never ending story. Sorry. Slash the never ending story slash life after the never ending story or life after movies on Facebook. 
if you're a fan of this, you can get a piece of Falcor's fur. You can be part of the never-ending story. And that's another story. Thank you for listening. Cinema ah. Yugen. You can listen to us on uh, Spotify, Player FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Lisa Downs, thank you for being my guest. Give her a big round of applause. And cue the music. Everybody, and good morning.